If you'd like to <clears throat> turn to Matthew 18. Sorry, Luke 18. <laughs> Thank you. Luke 18. It would be two books after Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke. 18. That comes after 17. And then if you'd um, follow along, I'm going to read Luke 18, 9 to 14. Would you stand with me, please, while I read? If it looks confusing where I'm reading from, I'm reading from the NASB. So if you have that Bible, what I'm reading will be what you're reading. <laughs> Otherwise, it will also be what I'm reading. It'll just look different. Does that make sense? Okay. Luke 18.9. Jesus told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I pay tithes of all I, that I get. But the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Will you pray with me, please? Father, I pray that you would um, open our hearts and minds to understand the truth in this scripture in, in a way that it, it overflows into our lives and our attitudes and our speech. Um, Father, I thank you for who you are Open our eyes to that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'd like to... Um, Thank everyone this morning who has made it possible for me to be me. To accomplish the things that I have accomplished. To be the great singer, ultimate frisbee player, checkers player, and I, actually I'm pretty good at Uno also. 
preacher, father, husband, leader, barista, and teacher that I am. I also want to be thankful this morning for my good looks. That's one of my former employees. <laughs> I also want to be thankful this morning for my talents, my character traits, my personality, my charisma. Well, maybe I don't have very much. I want to be thankful this morning also for what I've accomplished, for having impacted so many people done so many great things. I just want to say this morning how thankful I am that I am who I am. <laughs> so, hopefully some of you picked up that there's something wrong with that picture. You notice I started each one of those sentences by saying, I'm thankful. But in reality, it wasn't about gratitude. It was about ego, or pretended ego, okay? How much different real gratitude is? As, um, as I was listening to Megan um, do her amazing job at announcements this morning. And I was, especially when she was talking about the fashion show last night, um, you know, I wasn't even here. And uh, I had nothing to do with it. And it was, as I heard about it, as my wife and daughter came home last night and talked about it and we saw the slides, it was a little bit kind of like uh, Michelle was referring to sitting at this meeting in Paulsbo yesterday and just sitting and listening um, about what God has done. Um, it absolutely amazes me. Um, the way that he has opened doors and worked in lives and drawn people together uh, to work in people's lives all over this county. Um, it absolutely is God's doing. There's no way that I could convince the mayor of Paulsbo to be so supportive of us and ask us to come to Paulsbo or the leadership of the Paulsbo Rotary to want to give us $20,000 to come to Paulsbo or that group of people that was there yesterday to say, yeah, $100,000 and a building uh, to get you here, we can make that happen. It's amazing 
what God does. When we understand who we are, our inadequacies, our inabilities, and the need for God to do it if anything is going to get done. And the result of that is kind of the heart of what we're going to talk about this morning. But what I want us to notice, first of all, is that all that is portrayed, kind of from my little monologue at the beginning, um, which might have made some of you who don't know me a little bit uncomfortable, like, what am I doing here? Um, well, gonna, to get that all that is portrayed as thanksgiving is not necessarily thanksgiving. And so the question this morning that I want us to be asking ourselves is, what does it mean to be truly thankful? And what is at the heart of true gratitude? And, and what causes true gratitude? When you're really thankful, why is it so? And when you're not thankful, why is it so? To put it another way, what is at the root of ingratitude and unkindness in our world? And I'm pairing those two together because they're very closely tied together and you'll see it as we go on. Or why are people not thankful and why do people look down on other people in our world? And our, and our world's full of it, isn't it? People that aren't thankful and people that are unkind. And why is it so? I want you to listen to, listen to some quotes that I uh, picked up off uh, an internet search. I want people to remember me as a good person. Is that how you want to be remembered? What I work hard at doing is staying on a path of being kind and showing and proving that I'm a good person to society. I don't believe in dogmas and theologies. I just believe in being a good person. In spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. And the phenomenal thing about that quote is it's from Anne Frank, who died at the hands of the Nazis. In spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. Now, having heard those quotes, I want you to listen to... Um, some definitions of gratitude and thankfulness that I got after much research on Wikipedia. Okay. This is some definitions of gratitude and thankfulness. Warm and friendly feeling toward a benefactor, meaning towards someone who has done something good towards me. Kindness awakened by a favor received or recognition of a benefit received. Now, why don't you just kind of hold all that together, this thought of being a good person, and yet thankfulness and gratitude, the heart of its definition being having been something received from somebody else, something given to me that didn't come from me. So the question, what is it that produces both kind and grateful people. 
And the interesting thing is, it might not be what you think. So let's look at Luke 18 here together. We, when we come to this parable, we come to Jesus talking about two guys. They, they're going to the temple to pray. One's a Pharisee and the other's a tax collector. Now, Pharisees were well known for their strict outward adherence to the law of Moses. And in, and in fact, in, in the story that Jesus is telling us here, the Pharisee went beyond the typical Pharisee, fasting even more often than was required and giving even more than was required by the law. And so people listening to this parable or this story that Jesus was telling, in their minds, I'm sure they were automatically thinking, definitely a good person. Definitely a good person. I mean, how can you be better than that? And then the tax collector. Tax collectors at the same time, in contrast to Pharisees, known for their strict adherence to the law and being these generous people and these sacrificial people, these good people, tax collectors were the scum of society. Despised by the Jews because of their collaboration with the Roman occupiers. Um, tax collectors collected taxes for the Romans from their fellow Jews, despised. And in the minds of everybody, bad people. Okay? So we got good people, bad people, a good man and a bad man in the story that Jesus was telling. But this is what I want us to look at this morning for a second. N notice the Pharisees in, in Luke 18. Notice his description here. Start at verse 11. It says, The Pharisee stood and was praying to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And so when the Pharisee stands praying, or that's the word that you use, praying and thanking, that's the word, Notice how he describes other people and even this tax collector. But out of curiosity, I, I kind of did a little search throughout the scriptures in, in, in trying to understand how different were these people really. So we've got this Pharisee, good person, tax collector, bad person. But in, in the eye of scripture, how different were they really? Turn to Matthew 15. Matthew 15, a couple books back. Matthew 15, verses 3 to 6. The Pharisees came to Jesus' disciples saying, why don't you wash your hands? Um, or came to Jesus and says, why don't your disciples wash hands like, like our disciples do? Look at verse 3. Jesus answers and he says to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother. And God also says, He who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you, and this is the Pharisees, you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, well, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. 
He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Swindlers. That's what they were. Swindlers. And they had this, and, and this little custom they had, it was called Korban. And they had set it up in order to get people's money from them that they should have been honoring their parents with. And they could Korban something that was theirs in order to keep others from getting it. In order for their parents to get it, they could say, you know, that's given to God. It's set aside for God so nobody else can have it. Well, except they could still use it because it was still there. And, and so they swindled their parents from what was rightfully their parents and, and they should have been honoring their parents with, they quote-unquote gave it to God so that they didn't have to give it to their parents and they could use it for themselves. Swindlers. Isn't that interesting? Look at Matthew 23. Matthew 23. Verses 27 and 28. And these are some harsh words that Jesus, again, he's speaking to the Pharisees. Matthew 23, 27 and 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. The word hypocrites is like actors putting on. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Unjust. That's what they were what he accused the tax collector of being, and that's what they were. They, they looked beautiful on the outside, but inside they were full of unjustness. Look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4. It's after Hebrews, a little bit farther through the New Testament. James chapter 4, verse 4. James... He says, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God and an adulterer, an adulteress, meaning someone whose heart has been given to another, not to God. If you're a friend of the world, James says, in God's eyes, you're an adulterer because you've, you've said, God, I'm yours. I belong to you. We're the bride of Christ, and yet we've given ourselves to the world instead. With that definition, look at Luke. Go back to the book of Luke again. Luke chapter 16. Back to the Gospels. Luke 16, verses 13 to 15. Luke 16, 13 to 15. Jesus speaking again, he says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Or what are you, according to James? An adulterer. 
And in verse 14, look at the Pharisees' response as Jesus said these words. The Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. Adulterers. And then one more. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21. Verses 12 and 13. Matthew 21, 12 and 13. Jesus entered the temple and he drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a robber's den. And what have the Pharisees done? (laughs) They've done exactly what they hate the tax collectors for. Robbing their own people to fill their own pockets. As opposed to robbing their own people to fill the Roman pockets. What's the difference between a a Pharisee and a tax collector? Well, according to the word of God, there's no difference at all. Isn't that interesting? Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, tax collectors, Pharisees, they're all the same. So what is it that sets them apart? What is it that sets these two guys apart here in this parable? Let's let's look back at at Luke 18 really briefly here. I'm going to read it again, verses 11 through 13. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. You see that? Notice that wording? Who's he really praying to? He's praying to himself. Interesting. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I pay tithes of all I get. That's the Pharisee. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. What sets them apart? I listed several things just in trying to capture this passage. The first one, the first thing that sets these two guys apart that are really very, very much the same is the Pharisee is self-righteous. The tax collector is unrighteous. Well, they're both unrighteous, right? But we're talking about how they perceive themselves. The Pharisee sees himself as righteous, where the tax collector sees himself as unrighteous. The Pharisee compares himself to others, but the tax collector compares himself to God. And so the Pharisee looks down on others where the tax collector is looking down on himself and his own state before God. The Pharisee is proud. The tax collector is humble. The Pharisee is self-congratulatory, like, oh. He says, God, I thank you, but it's, it's like saying, oh, God, I look good. I just used the word God, but it, I wasn't talking to God. We, we hear it all, all the time in our, in our world, don't we? Every day. 
God, you're beautiful. So somebody saying God's beautiful? No, it's just using God's name. God, I thank you. He's not thanking God. He's, he's just caught up with himself, self-congratulatory, where the, where the tax collector is self-condemning. The focus of the Pharisee is that others are the sinners. Where you notice the focus of the tax collector is, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. It's interesting. There's an article before the word sinner. He could have just said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. But, he, but it's very specific. God, be merciful. He's, in his eyes, he is the sinner. For the Pharisee, it's about his accomplishments, right? For the tax collector, it's about his failures. The Pharisee is praying to himself. The tax collector is praying to God. And the end result of the two is, well, the Pharisee is very smug. It's like he's got it together, right? He's done it all. He's better than anybody else. He's smug where the end result for the tax collector, we don't see it here, but the, the obvious result is going to be gratitude because he goes home and in God's eyes, what is he? He's righteous. And so if we were to compare him, I think the Pharisee would be thinking this today. He says, he, he would, in looking at other people, he'd be saying, I don't know why they can't get their act together. I did it. I got my act together. And if they really wanted it, they could do it too. That's the Pharisee. The tax collector is, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Thank you, God for your goodness and grace and mercy to me. It's by your grace that I am what I am. To summarize, I think the Pharisee thought that he was something in himself. Do you see that? In himself. Call him a good person. And what was the result? No thankfulness and no kindness. Do you get that out of this passage? I mean, there's nothing to be thankful for. I mean, it's like, God, thank you. But he's just saying, as he's talking to himself, he's just, it's all about him. It's, he is a good person. He's the best. So there's nothing to be thankful for. He's received nothing from anyone. And so there's no reason to be kind because all anybody else needs to do is buck up and do it like he did, right? The tax collector, on the other hand, understood that he was a sinner. In his eyes, the sinner. Call him a bad person. And what was the result? Well, the world around us, and this is the hard thing, the world around us would be constantly trying to tell him, well, you're not that bad, right? I mean, you just it was your environment, or it was your upbringing, or it was, it was the deck of cards you were dealt or it was your karma or whatever. And they would try to tell him, you know, the way you're talking, you know, 
you just, you just need better self-esteem. Or you need to think better. You need a better self-image. And you keep acting and thinking that way, you're going to end up just with this bitter outlook on life. But that's not what we see in this passage, as this guy is commended by Jesus. Because what he is really doing, according to Jesus, is he's seeing himself for who he really is, which then enables him to see God's goodness and grace to him, resulting in thankfulness and in the ability to pour out that grace to others that he understands that he is received. As Paul says in one of my favorite verses, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, it's by the grace of God I am what I am. Paul says, yet his grace toward me did not prove vain. I, I labored all the more than even the rest of them. I didn't just say, well, that's cool. I can just sit back. But man, I understood God's grace. I'm going after it. I'm giving it my all. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. It's all, it's all about God's grace. And I think the point of what Jesus is saying here is it's only when we recognize our need of grace God's goodness, and that we are recipients of God's grace, of his goodness, that we will be truly grateful people and truly kind people. Consider, um, in, in Matthew 18, Jesus tells another parable. We're not going to look, you can turn to it if you want, we're not going to look at it. He tells the, the parable of a king who was trying to square things away with his servants. And so he goes to one of his servants who owes him multiple millions of dollars. I mean, more than he could even dream or hope of repaying. And he, he grabs him and he says, I'm going to sell you, I'm going to sell you your wife, your kids, in order that I can get some return for this massive debt that you owe me and the guy falls on his face before the king and he says he says just be patient with me please and I'll pay back everything it's important we we understand what he said he said be patient with me and I'll pay back everything and the king's heart is just broken he's and and he's overwhelmed with mercy for this servant and it says that he forgave him everything. You don't have to pay back anything. An impossible debt, multiple millions of dollars, he forgives him everything. No more debt to pay. What should, what should the guy's response be? It should be, oh my goodness. It should be overflowing gratitude and overwhelming gratitude that would just cause him to be just <coughs> overflow that grace to others. But what does he do? He hears what the king says, but he doesn't really hear what the king says. And what does he go out to do? He goes out in this parable and he grabs another one of his fellow servants and he starts, he says, who, who owes him, get this, a hundred bucks. A hundred bucks. He was just forgiven millions of dollars and this guy owes him a hundred bucks and he grabs him by the neck and he says, pay me back or I'm going to throw you and your wife and your kids into prison and the guy begs for mercy in the same way, and he, but he refuses to show mercy and he throws him into prison, he and his wife and his kids. 
And, and the fellow servants have noticed what is going on and, and they're troubled by it. And they go to the king and they tell him what happened. And the king comes to him and he says, what did you do? He says, I forgave you millions of dollars and you can't forgive a hundred bucks. And he throws him into prison until the debt would be repaid. What was the problem with this servant who received forgiveness for millions of dollars? You know, back to what he said. Remember, he said, just be patient with me and I will pay you back everything. What was the problem? He didn't realize how deeply in debt he was. That his debt was impossible to pay back. There's no way he could have paid back. So he had this notion that, oh, you just give me time and I can do it. Give me time and I'll pay it back. And so that's what he went to do. He went to grab the first guy that owed him 100 bucks and he thought, I can get that 100 bucks and that's the down payment and I'll just keep until I'll somehow in an unbelievable way pay back. He didn't understand the depth of what he owed the impossibility of what he owed and how desperately he needed just grace. That's what he needed. And that's what he had received. He received that grace, but he couldn't see it because all he was thinking about was it's got to be me. I got to do it. I gotta, it's all about me. And I tell you, that's, I think that's why our world struggles so much with ingratitude and unkindness is because our world doesn't understand. We don't understand. How many of us understand this morning how deep our debt is? How really bad we really are? And if that offends you, I'm, I'm sorry, but, but you've got to face it like the tackler. I am the sinner. Do you know your heart? Do those of us who are here this morning, do we really know our hearts? I mean, I, we can say, well, you know, I, I mean, Rocky can say, man, I helped this guy. I'm not that bad. I helped this guy get his truck going. But Rocky knows his heart. I mean, I can help a hundred old ladies across the street tomorrow, and I still know what my heart is capable of. Do you? Jeremiah 17, one of the best verses the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's our hearts. That's who we really are. And until we understand like the tax collector, that's who we are. And it's not about having a bad self-image or having poor self-esteem. It's about an honest understanding of who we are, our hearts. That's the starting point. And if, if you can't start there, then you'll never understand gratitude. A benefit received, the most amazing benefit received at the cost of Christ on the cross, the Son of God. That's grace. That's goodness. And that reaps gratitude. And the ability then to pour it out upon others who might irritate us and irk us and like, oh, you know, like, you know, we, if we look at other people, there's always going to be somebody... Worse than us, right? Or somebody that fails more than us? 
But instead of looking at them, we look at God and we see his holiness and our sinfulness and yet his grace in Christ upon the cross to us in our unworthiness. I tell you, we will be grateful people and we will be people that show grace because it's by the grace of God that we are what we are. Listen to 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Paul says, what do we have that we have not received? Then why do we boast as if we did not receive it? What do we have that we haven't received? In, in James chapter 1, it says, every good and perfect gift comes from God from above. So does Thanksgiving really matter? Why is it important? Get this, because I think Thanksgiving reveals our understanding or our lack of understanding of God's grace. You get that? Thankful or not thankful, I think reveals our hearts and how much we understand or don't understand. God's grace. So let me sum it up this way. Let's quit trying to be something ourselves. Pump each other up. Tell each other how great we are. Instead, and, and the instead isn't, yeah, let's tell each other how bad we are. That's not the instead, okay? <laughs> instead, Let's point one another to God's amazing grace to us in Jesus. Man, God has been good to us. That's what I love about the sharing time at the beginning. And God has been so good to us. And we are so undeserving, yet he is so good. If we get that today, tomorrow, the next day, that God is good then we will be thankful and we will be kind. Let's pray. Father, uh, open our eyes to your goodness. Your goodness that splashes our, our world on a morning like this morning with the beauty of snow in the mountains and, and just with your creativity and how you've lavished an amazing creation upon us. God, your goodness to us in Jesus. When we've sinned and we've fallen short of your glory, Father, the gift of your grace that you've given us and you keep giving us over and over and over in Jesus. Oh, God, open our hearts, open our eyes that we might be thankful and kind people in a world that desperately needs to see that. Amen.